Hello, passionate people. You are listening to Passion Harvest. Thank you so much for listening today. And as always, I'm so passionate to share these episodes with you. I'm Louisa, your host, International Passion Ambassador. Every week we share new episodes talking with people across the planet who have an inspiring, entertaining and passionate story to share, taking you on a journey to discover your passion. Hello, passionate listeners. This is episode 25, and I am honored to speak with a really wonderful and remarkable woman, Dawn Brunk. Dawn is an animal communicator, writer, and dream enthusiast. She has written an astounding seven books and is also the creator of the Animal Wisdom Tarot. In this episode, we discuss how to connect with your animal and how we learn a lot about ourselves when we connect with animals animal personalities, different species of animals, having different vibrations, spirit guides, animal signs, and the meaning of animals in dreams. Dawn reinforces the importance of connecting with self, listening to the subtle and gentle intuition that we all have, and in turn creating a deeper connection with the animal that you share your life with. To connect with Dawn, please find her details in the show notes and please leave a passionate review in iTunes. I've put the link in the show notes too. Welcome to the wonderful world of Dawn Brunk. This is her story and this is her passion. Dawn, (laughs) welcome to Passion Harvest. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. From Alaska. Yes. You are an animal communicator. That's correct. How do you, I guess, I guess the first question is how do you connect with the animals? Okay. So the basics of it, it's kind of a long, you know, long explanation, but the basics of it are that I um, deepen and I'm looking for, um, you know, think of it like an old fashioned radio where you're turning the dial to find the correct, you know, connection, the right, the correct wavelength. And that's really what I'm doing is a lot of it is learning how to deepen and quiet yourself and then opening up and connecting with whatever animal you choose to communicate with. Um, it could be animal in the wild, it could be a domesticated animal in front of you, you know, really whatever it is. You're attuning your inner radio dial, if you will, to that resonance, and you're connecting in that way. And and then you open up a, a, a connection that allows back and forth conversation, if you will. It's, um, you know, some people think, oh, do you hear animals in English? Well, I do, because that's my <laughs> language. <laughs> but it doesn't mean the animal is talking in English. It means that we're connecting energetically, telepathically. And the way I understand the animal then is translated oftentimes into words, into English words, but sometimes into physical feelings, emotional feelings. Sometimes I'll see a little movie or a little visual from the animal. So it just really depends what animal it is and what needs to be uh, communicated. Does that make sense? Beautifully explained. Thank you very much. So I know you do a lot of consultations all across the globe. Mm Mm-hmm. Just say, for example, I called you. How do you know you're actually connecting with my dog, for example? Not Yeah, no, that's a really good question. And the way I work is I like to tell, uh, I I work off of when we do a a consultation like, like, for example, in Australia or wherever it is, 
I'm asking for photographs first, a, a series of photographs, maybe four or five of the animal. And I use that, that's just my method. I use that to connect to the animal. And so I usually tell the person, the client, you know, don't give me a lot of information in the beginning. Just send me the animal, you know, sex, name, age, approximate age. And so what I do before I do a session is I connect with that animal and I'm getting a little bit about their personality and how they are. And then when we open the session, that's how I like to begin. I like to say, this is what I got, you know, and that way I'm checking in with with the, with the human and uh, making sure that that is the animal we're connecting with and that, um, you know, that I understood the animal, uh, that it makes sense to the person. Um, now, that's, you know, that's from someone who's done this, what, 20 plus years. In the very beginning, when you're learning animal communication, that's a big question. How do I know I'm really talking to that animal? And the answer there is practice is you just get confirmations, you know, from the human or from situations time and time again. And you, you kind of uh, learn to develop a little um, a sense of when you're on. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, at this point, I just kind of know, yes, that's the animal. That's, that, that, that's the correct residence. Um, but in the beginning, you know, uh, you're learning a lot about yourself, about how you are. Is, is this resonant for me or isn't it? So... Yeah, it's a process, huh? It's fascinating. And can you also read people as well, like animals? Um, I think it works exactly the same way. It mm. really does. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people get weirded out with that, so I don't generally advertise. <laughs> it's not your specialty. <laughs> yeah. uh, do you find that animals in the wild or birds, for example, might come to you because they're needing to communicate with you? Not necessarily. And the reason for that is I'm not constantly on and open to, to the animal channel, you know? I mean, I, got, I have to get my groceries and do this and that and the other too, right? So I'm kind of, you know, in the down space then. Um, I would say, however, um, you know, I've had many experiences being in nature, being in the wild, and just opening myself up to animals. And, and so initiating a conversation, a communication that way. Yeah. Is, is there any animal you can't read? Um, I, don't, I don't think so. I think communication is as open as we are, you know, just like with humans. There's some humans we way prefer talking to than others. So <laughs> it's the sure. same with animals, right? And, and I guess all different animals have different types of personalities. Does their personalities come through when you're reading them? Yeah. For me, they do, because that is something that I uh, kind of focus in. I anchor into the personality. So there's a couple answers to your question. Um, Yes, an elephant energy or personality is going to be different than a, a house cat or than a turtle. But within that, let's say we talk to cats, uh, you know, there's so many different personalities, each is an individual. So you kind of have a species energy and then you have an individual personality energy. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes, you're explaining it yeah. so well. Um, yeah. I, I'm coming from a, a visual perspective, so I'm thinking of different breeds of dogs. Can, do they have similar personalities? Say, for example, Labradors, are they similar personalities opposed to Chihuahuas? Oh, I definitely say different breeds have different um, personalities, in, you know, in general. And again, but you can have a Chihuahua that's very much one way and, as, and another Chihuahua has a very different personality. But broad strokes, yeah, I would say different breeds have different personalities. Just like, you know, maybe Spanish people have one, you know, kind of general way of being mm -hmm. and, you know, as opposed to 
New Zealanders or what, whatever it is, yeah. right? There's different <laughs> kind of cultures, if you will. Um, and, and you see that with different animals as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so if someone calls you for a consultation and they have an issue with their dog or their cat or house animal, do you, you connect with the animal and you speak for the animal? Is that? Um, I don't oh. like to speak for the animal. What I like to do is I think of myself as a translator. And I ideally like the person to be kind of involved in the phone call as well. So I'm thinking of it as a three-way conversation. And we're, we're, what I'm attempting to do is bridge the individual with their animal so that they can kind of understand what's going on. So, you know, if I was talking to whatever your dog's name is, I would, I would express, you know, um, Simba says this and, you know, how does, and then kind of ask the human to open up to deepen a little bit and to negotiate in a way, um, a a communication, I can negotiate, sometimes negotiation is involved, but to facilitate really a conversation um, so that the person deepens and that the animal kind of opens to their person as well. I mean, that's ideal. That doesn't always happen. Um, But yeah, I would say I basically think of myself as a translator fascinating so if uh, for example a dog has a a trait that is bothering the owner or the human you Mm -hmm. can connect with the animal now sometimes it's possible to go in there and sometimes it's just a matter of the animal's not understood uh, feels it's not understood or the human feels it's not understood so again we're kind of like going deepening the conversation so that both sides feel heard and understood now just because you tell an animal my dog for example she loves to bark at other dogs you know just so I, I can tell her it in one time. You don't need to do that. But it's like telling a kid to clean the room. You know, are they going to do it? Well, they hear you, but whether they do it or not is kind of uh, that's up to them, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. That, that. So sometimes it's a situation like that. We can just because we can talk to a dog doesn't mean we can make it behave in a certain way. You're explaining this all so clearly. It's actually things I haven't thought about very deeply before, but I I, I definitely will start thinking about them and. There's a lot of um, discussion about spirit animals. What's your take on spirit animals? So, uh, okay, so a spirit animal, it's similar to, I mean, it, it, it's just, it's a term, and it could be similar to an animal guide, an animal teacher, a totem animal. All of these things kind of refer to um, the greater wisdom of the species. So let's say your spirit animal is dog. And you might be tapping into the greater, uh, well, wisdom and, and uh, knowledge of dog species. Now, you may have a particular spirit animal dog that is, looks a certain way. It could even be a physical animal that, you're, you know, that we talk about. Sometimes spirit can be manifest in physical bodies. So it just depends where you're, what you're asking exactly about a spirit animal. But in general, they would be teachers guardians, guides, protectors, um, not necessarily in physical form, but more in spirit form. That was answered really well. And sometimes people say if they see an owl or an eagle or a crow in front of them um, or other animals, it has a certain, through using their intuition, it has a certain meaning in their Mm -hmm. life. Would you agree Mm -hmm. with that? Well, I do think that's true. I think, I think uh, you know, nature is always giving us signs and symbols. 
I think the trick is a translation, <laughs> you know, an owl doesn't always mean that, you know, like one of the common things, it means a death. Well, sometimes it might, but other times it might mean deeper, different things. It might mean illumination. It might mean pay attention. You know, owls have really big eyes and they have very sensitive hearing. So it might be, um, you know, a little nudge to you to pay attention visually or to listen better or, you know, so yes, I think all of, all of the world, all of nature is giving us signs all the time. And how we interpret that is kind of uh, dependent on where we are in ourselves. Huh? So um, let's say you have a dream about a horse. And, you know, I, 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 there's dream dictionaries and there's a lot of information on the internet about, a, you know, dreaming about a horse means this, this, this. I tend to take a more organic approach. I like to say, what was the horse doing? How did you feel in relationship to the horse? You know, was there wisdom imparted by the horse? How did you feel? And kind of play with those things in order to interpret um, your relationship with horse in the dream and what that might mean in your, you know, to your waking life or as a guidance of sorts. Hmm? Mm, so getting back to the intuition as well and the feeling. Yeah, exactly. And you have written seven books, is that correct? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And actually one will be out in uh, January about uh, the ancient power of snake. My gosh, that's a lot of books. How do you get the time to write that, so many books? Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, you write a little bit at a time. So I've been doing this for 20 years. So for some people, that's, um, you know. Not a lot of books. <laughs> Some people write a book a year, easily. And you're in Alaska. I was actually in the Yukon last year, thought of next door to you, mm -hmm. dog slaying. Yep, yep. we have I a lot love. of dog sledders up here too. Dog sledding? Yes. Uh, we call it uh, mushing, dog mushing. Mushing, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you know, and I've talked to several sled dogs, and um, in one of my books there's a whole chapter about sled dogs. Um, I know, and I've met many sled dogs and those dogs love to run. Mm. So, you know, when people from Florida or warm climates comment on how cruel it is, it's, it's really not. <laughs> These are dogs that love to run. It's a huge treat for them to run. And we're big followers of the Iditarod, which is a, you know, a, a very, um, thousand, couple thousand mile, uh, a race. Um, and it's, it's um, you know, again, it's like anything. It's, it's um, it, I, I think uh, dog mushing has to, uh, largely to do with the relationship between the musher and the dogs. And one thing, interestingly, the sled dogs told me was it has to do with the relationship, the musher, the dog, and the land. There's almost a triangulation of energies as they're running, especially long distances that happens. And it's, um, it's quite beautiful how they explained it to me. Yeah. I found that as well when I went mushing, <laughs> using the correct terminology, the dogs absolutely loved it. And the owner, you know, she called them her babies. They were her life. She absolutely loved them. I think she said she was a small dog there. She only had 56 dogs, which I thought, my oh. gosh, that's a lot of dogs. <laughs> that's, I would say that's, a, that's the medium amount of dogs. I mean, and you're right. It is a huge investment to have sled dogs, um, not only monetarily, but time-wise and passion-wise. I mean, you have to be all in to be a musher, I think. And I just wanted to get back to what you mentioned before about the land. Animals connect with certain areas of land around the globe. Well, I think what these sled dogs meant more is it's a almost like a deepening of their energy where it connects with the land, almost like below the land. 
and there's kind of this very physical geophysical energy that goes on and my intuition is that's how some animals know how to you know they can be lost hundreds of miles from home and they know how to return home you know many animals have that either magnetic or um connection with the land that they're able to know where they are and not not by maps but by internal maps huh I'm absolutely fascinated by this. It's absolutely fascinating. I'm thinking of those Disney movies, you know, when the dog finds the way home or I can't yeah. remember the title of it. So yeah. you think it's connecting with the geophysical energy? I, 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 think, I think it's a combination of things, but I think that's very strong, yes. And for some animals it's stronger than others, yeah. I mean, I think inherently we would have that connection as well if we connected more with the land and used more of our intuition. As I agree. I agree. I think that we do have that ability. It's probably very, you know, we haven't used it in a long while because we have GPSs and cell phones. <laughs> but if we got rid of all that, yeah, we probably would be able to turn that on, that internal GPS on again. Um, and some people do have it to some degree, you know, certainly that, that live in the wild and they're able to tune into that. So, yeah. <laughs> Good point. We're almost out of time and I've got a couple of questions. Is there anything you would like to discuss with our audience today? Um, no, go ahead with your questions. I all, Thanks, Dawn. I always ask our guests, since this show is about passion as well, for someone who, looking to live or embrace their passion, what would you suggest? Uh, well, are you saying in general their passion or general. passion for animal communication? Oh, we can specify animal communication. Yeah, yeah I guess the answer is uh, the same in a way because we're always drawn to what excites us, right, and what we're passionate about and what um, gives us joy and love to do, you know. And for me, I, I kind of fell into this whole thing of animal communication in a roundabout way. It wasn't something I ever planned on, but I became fascinated by it. And that fascination has, you know, that passion and that fascination has just uh, lived on in me for decades. And so, um, yeah, it just, it just blossomed. And I think maybe that's what we're looking for. I think in terms of, the, you know, what's going on in our world today, and for example, you know, drug use or anger and things like that, I think it's people who haven't found their passion and who haven't found meaning. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need to focus on, you know, less laws and more what, what drives you, what gives you, um, it, what excites you. And if we could steer children, you know, into those directions, I just think we'd have a happier, more productive, more creative world, huh? Beautifully answered. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. um, I just forgot to ask you, mm -hmm. if someone wants to connect more with their house pet, house animal, mm -hmm. what would you recommend? I'd recommend getting quiet and sitting with it and being with it. And I think most animals respond best to us when we are receptive and open. And usually that means we need to quiet down our little brain that goes on and on and on. We need to turn off the television and the cell phone and this and that and just sink down into who we are. And to appreciate that animal, you know, if it's a dog or cat, you might pet it, you might just sit quietly with it, you might lie down next to it, and just open up your mind to, um, what do you have to say to me, you know? And you might, uh, you might receive a feeling, you might receive just a sensing, kind of an inner knowing, you might receive words. There's all kinds of ways to uh, receive communication. 
And so the one that comes to you is the perfect one, huh? And then we just deepen that. And the more you do that, the more it becomes very natural. Animals are truly wonderful friends, aren't they? Especially house animals. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't ask you, what animals do you have? Yeah, we're, uh, well, um, I, we used to have two snakes, but they've just been to live with, with some other people now. Yeah, oh my so I really, <laughs> I really learned a lot from snakes. We had a ball python and a little corn snake. Um, so they're non venomous snakes, and they're, um, well, I, I, that's a whole other story, really, <laughs> a whole other interview. But um, and then we have a dog. She's a uh, German Shepherd Beagle Blue Healer mix. And wow. she's a smart little dog. Little smart, smart, smart little dog. Yeah. <laughs> so she's a joy. <laughs> and just briefly on the snakes, obviously you could communicate with the snakes as well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and that's kind of goes back to one of your questions is communicating with a snake is very, very different than communicating with like a dog or a cat. You know, dogs or cats, they're kind of used to our world. Uh, they're, they're more prone to kind of use language that we understand and you, you know, you kind of understand them because you're with them all the time. Mm -hmm. Snakes have a very different rhythm. It's a slower rhythm. Um, it's, and and uh, my experience with snakes is it's more of a gestalt kind of, um, you know, connection. You kind of get all of the feeling and the, the sensing of it at once in a very earthy way, as opposed to, you know, different species that, that communicate in different ways. So, yeah. As you said that I was visualizing, I could visualize a, you know, a snake slithering around and just the slowness of it. Mm -hmm. that's, that's absolutely fascinating. Well, Dawn, thank you so much for being on Passion Harvest. Well, thanks for having me. It was really fun talking with you. It was really an honor and enjoy the summer that's coming to Alaska. I will. <laughs> you enjoy the winter. Oh, it's getting cold. Coming your way. <laughs> Take care. Bye-bye. Uh, Bye. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you would like to know more, follow Passion Harvest on Instagram or Facebook. We would love to hear from you. Tell us how you are living your passions. Please subscribe to our podcast and please rate and review it. Share it with a friend and inspire them to develop their passion. Goodbye and until next time, keep spreading that passion.